When you made Jesus Lord and you became born again, God is our Father, amen, if He's the King, amen, we've said this before, God is very plain about making it a fact and letting people know that you are royalty when you become in the family of God. When you come in the family of God, if He's the King, huh? what does the word I've told you is for? What does the word Israel mean? Israel means Prince of God. And the Bible says that we are the church is the spiritual Israel. We are the spiritual Prince of God. Amen? And so we need to begin to realize that in the kingdom, we speak a different way. Now you understand this a lot of times, and understand this, it, it's not right for a believer to use uh, coarse, vulgar, filthy language. That's not appropriate. You know, you hear, you hear preachers today, I, you, you just wouldn't believe, you know, you all, it's probably stuff that most of y'all don't come across because y'all don't have to read the material that ministers do and try to stay up to date. But you realize there are some preachers now that they'll stand up in a pulpit and while they're preaching, they're going to cuss. Now, I'm not talking about saying hell or damn because those are words in the Bible and those are words that are you know, used in their context. They have a biblical meaning, right? I'm not talking about, I'm talking about people, you know, slang for, for, for excrement. Okay, I'm talking about people dropping the F-bomb. Calling themselves ministers of the gospel. Because they say, well, you know, that don't matter. That's just, you know, that's just something that was silly and religious that we can't talk about. How many of y'all know the Bible says not to let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth? But you understand this. that it's, How many of y'all know that it's possible for you to have a spiritual potty mouth without ever even cussing? Amen? It is possible for you to say it because this is the thing. Anytime you're speaking something that's contrary to God's Word, you know, if God's Word says, I've declared you clean, I've declared you holy, I've declared you a new creature in Christ Jesus, and your confession is, oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. You're, you're, spiritually, you're a potty mouth. Because you're, not, because you're not agreeing with what God's Word is. And a lot of people, I've said this before, it's false humility. Like, oh, I'm just a worm, I'm just a nothing. No, I just no. Is that what the word says? And people think they're being humble when they say that. And really, it it is pride. Some people say, well, hey, how do you say it's pride? Because if God's word says you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, if God's word says that you are a prince of God, and you're saying, no, 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 I'm not any of that. I'm none of that. I'm just a worm. I'm just a worm. You know, I just know that there's nothing good in me. Then you are exalting your opinion of yourself over what God's Word says. And that's pride. Amen? If God says one thing and you say, no, 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 God, I don't agree with that. I say this. You're in pride. And it's, fa- it's false humility. It needs to be exposed for what it is. But you ne- we need to learn. You realize we come into the kingdom... And there's a way you talk. And remember we using, using that example of Harry and, and William, how they're, they're trained how to talk. We need to realize we need to be trained on how we need to speak in the kingdom, what we speak. Amen? We, we need to watch yourself. I'm going to turn to John chapter 8 real quick. And while you're turning to John chapter 8, I'm just going to read you a couple of verses that I'm sure that you're familiar with. Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of the king is, there's power. Amen? Who's the king that we serve? God the Father. Where the word of the king is, there's power. While you're turning to John, I'm going to read this to you. Proverbs 18, 20 and 21. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips he shall be filled. Verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Amen? You realize this? And, and a lot of people, how many of y'all understand that there's there are a lot of things in the Bible, this is a theological term, they talk about dual interpretation. How many of y'all know that when God speaks His Word, His Word speaks, we understand this, that man is a triune being, right? There's three parts. You, you, the real you, you are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, <clears throat> and you live in a body. And so God's Word speaks to all of you. <clears throat> when God says, you know, when God says by his stripes you were healed, he's speaking to your spirit, he's speaking to your soul, he's speaking to your body. God's word speaks to all of you. Okay? And you understand this a lot of times the 
completely watered down version of looking at Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. How many of y'all, where I grew up at, they had a saying, they said, you know, don't let your alligator mouth out talk your hummingbird backside. That was the cleaned up version of it. In other words, and we know this, and you can see this in the natural, that you can, you know, here's another little uh, example of it. Don't let your mouth write a check that your backside can't cash, right? Why? Because in the natural, just naturally speaking, death and life can be in the power of the tongue. Huh? You go into the office and talk to your boss, and, and you know, and you take a disrespectful tone, and you're and you're just popping off smart with them consistently, and that's the way you carry yourself with your boss and with your superior. Then guess what? When the time comes that he has an opportunity to drop an axe, whose head do you think he's going to be looking for on the chop block first? Because death and life can be in the power of the tongue. How many of y'all know that in a marriage? That if one spouse just speaks continually abusively to the other and insultingly and degradingly and running the other one down all the time, that you can eventually you can kill a marriage that way. Because why? Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And but it's, it's a lot. And so we understand that's the easy one to understand, right? That's the easy one that across the board most believers will say, "Yeah, I can see that." But back to what I was saying about God's word. When God's Word speaks, He speaks to your entire being. And so a lot of people don't realize there is a principle here also that what you speak, the words that you're speaking out of your mouth spiritually, that it can bring things to pass in your life that you either want, that can either produce death or it can produce life in your life. Amen. Remember over in, what was over in Deuteronomy, God told the children of Israel, He said, Behold, this day I set before you life and death. Is a multiple choice test. A two question, multiple choice test, and God gave him the answer. He said, Choose life. Choose life. And what is life? Life is God's Word. Okay? So we're talking about in the natural. How many of y'all know that just because you figure out how something works doesn't make, doesn't, doesn't do away with the principle or doesn't make the principle spiritual? How many of y'all know that, help me Lord, that just because you can explain how something works doesn't necessarily take away the mystery from it, it just means you understand how the mystery works, okay? It's like this, people know how women get pregnant, right? How are babies born? The stork drops them in the cabbage patch, right? No. Okay? What I'm saying is just because scientists know you get the male sperm and the egg of the woman to come together, and then it began, and, it, and, and placed in the right environment in the mother's womb that that'll grow. Oh, they know that. But can you explain to me still how it does? Just because you know how something works doesn't mean you understand it. Do you get what I'm saying? Just because you know that you put this together with that, it's going to start growing. Do you really, do you really know how all that's happening? Do you know how the world, you know, how, do you know how the bones are knit together in the womb? Do you know how it multiplies? Do you know what made the, the, okay, yeah, we cracked the human genome, really? No, you discovered, you know, you found it out, you've discovered it's been there all the time, but can you tell me how it works? Can you make, can you make something like that yourself, starting out from scratch? Just because you discover how something works, you know, it, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like evolution or, or the people that want to debate creation, you understand this, that just because you find out how something worked, how ridiculous is it? How crazy would we think people would be if a mechanic got you know, an automobile and looked underneath the hood and tore the engine down and looked at all the parts and figured out this is a fuel injector, this is what does, this is a fuel pump, this is, you know, uh, this is a, a, a you know a motor block and these are pistons and this is a camshaft and, and they tore it all the way down to its basic components and said, you know what? We figured out how this thing works, and, and now because we know how it works, we're going to declare there's no manufacturer. This thing just appeared out of a junkyard one day. That's ridiculous, isn't it? You think you think you've got to be the biggest fool on the face of the planet? Why? Just because you think you took it apart and you identified what each part does, and that now you, you how do you go from we figured out how it works to nobody built it? It just happened. What's your point, Pastor? My point is, is in evolution, just because they can look at a human body and they can figure out what this does, let's go to a cellular level. 
just because they figured out what the, the organelles inside your cells do at a cellular level, and they figured out how systems work, and they, okay, and they, and they figured all that out, how foolish is it to go just from we've, we've observed how it works to it wasn't created? It's the same jump. As a matter of fact, it's even more ridiculous. It's more ridiculous, okay? But my point is I'm talking about speaking God's Word. I did all that in comparison to, to this, okay? Robert Merton. How many of y'all ever heard of Robert Merton? Okay, he's a 20th century sociologist. And he actually coined the, the term, how many of y'all ever heard the term, a self-fulfilling prophecy? You've heard that? Merton was the man that he came up with that. He def, uh, in his definition in the book Social Theory and Social Structure published in 1949, the prophecy or prediction is false, but it's made true by the person's actions. In the modern sense, the prophecy neither has false nor true value, but is merely a possibility that is made into a probability by a person's unconscious or conscious actions. Okay, and I'm just trying to familiarize you with... So, the world has discovered to... They have observed to a certain level a truth in the Bible that death and life are in the power of the tongue. What Merton is saying here... And and you understand this is looking at... This is just a secular observation. He's saying that, that what's called the prophecy, he says it's neither false nor true, it's merely a possibility. Now, we're not talking about... No one confuse this with biblical prophecy or, a spirit, or the spiritual gift of prophecy. We're talking about in the context of Merton's observation. He says that the, what's called the prophecy is neither false or true, it's merely a possibility of something that could come to pass. But because a person begins to obsess on that... Thing that subconsciously and maybe even consciously their actions will begin to cause that prophecy to come true. Okay? Here's an example. Someone has a child and let's just say that it's a, it's a daughter. And, uh, you know, maybe, the, maybe mom was, you know, a bar hopper or whatever. Mom was a promiscuous woman. And so mom had the daughter and maybe dumped the daughter off on grandma to, to raise because mom didn't want to compromise her party lifestyle and so she pushed off. And grandma was bitter about this. Grandma didn't know Jesus or maybe grandma did know Jesus but she's just ignorant. And grandma raises the little girl and then every time the little girl gets in trouble because how many of you know children are going to get in trouble? Hello, that's no brainer. Children are going to disobey. You're going to have to discipline children. You're going to have to teach children. But every time if grandma just goes, you know what? You're just going to grow up and be no good like your mama. You're just going to grow up and be an old hussy like your mama. Or let's just make it plain speech because this is a biblical word. This isn't a politically correct word, but you're going to grow up and just be a whore like your mama. Would somebody? Surely nobody would do that to a child, would they? Not in a fit of anger. But somebody speak that over that child, I'm just going to grow up and I'm going to be promiscuous. I'm going to, I'm, you know... Uh, you know, or even if it's adultery, oh, you're just going to be a little runaround like your mama, okay? And that child, you begin to speak that over that child, and that child, that makes an impression on that child, and that child goes, every time the child gets in trouble and has remorse, then the devil starts throwing some wood on fire. Oh, you know what? I'm going to be just like my mama. My mama was no good. I'm probably just going to be some promiscuous, loose woman like my mother. And then guess what? That child obsesses on that. They obsess on that. What's the word say? The word says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. That's why you need to be careful about the music you listen to. I'm not saying that you just ban all secular music, but you know what? It's not a, a, a you got to be selective. You can't be listening to stuff that's glorifying drug use and sexual promiscuity or violence. And you won't walk around meditating on that junk all day and then wonder why it's manifesting in your life. <clears throat> You say, meditate, and I don't meditate on it, Pastor. Do you go around singing the songs to yourself? That's meditating. That's biblical meditation. When God, when God spoke to Joshua, He said, this book of the law shall you meditate on day and night that you may observe to do it. That word meditate means to mutter or speak to oneself. And so why is it a wonder why a woman or a man can listen to you know, and take your pick. It doesn't have to be rap. It doesn't have to be rock. It doesn't have to be. Uh, it can be country music. You sit around and listen to old beer drinking, broken hearted, old lonesome me, gonna leave my old woman music. 
And then you want to wonder why you feed yourself a steady diet of that and then wonder why you walking around, you working on the lawnmower singing, you know, going to leave my old woman. Huh? Or, you know, I like to get whiskey bent and hell bound and you're out there work, you know, working on something in your shop and you're singing whiskey bent and hell bound or leave my woman or something like that. Huh? Or, uh, you understand, Pastor talking about songs I heard. Amen. You know, you're going to listen to that, you know, Hank Williams Jr. I like to have women I've never had. And you and you and you're feeding yourself stuff like that, and you walk around and and you're muttering that and you're meditating it to yourself. Then you want to wonder why? How did I get into adultery on my wife? Huh? How did I? You know, how did you know? Why, you know? How come I keep finding myself sneaking off and going to the bars in the middle of the night when nobody thinks that I'm going there? Well, well, you sing you sing about whiskey bent and hell. But why? You know? Why do you have a? Why do you have a fifth of wild turkey hid out in your garage, thinking that nobody knows it's there? Why do we do that? Well, because what you're feeding yourself and what you're meditating on and what you're muttering and speaking to yourself, it's manifesting in your body. It what? It's become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And people and people don't and people don't realize that they're doing that. And this is the thing, the Bible says my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. You've got to know that. So you understand this that if we're going to speak like royalty, if we're going to speak like that means we're speaking like the king. Like our daddy. God, you understand this. You're there in, there in John chapter 8, verse 26. Jesus said, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. Amen? Jesus. Jesus is our example, right? The Lord Jesus is our example. And Jesus is saying, the things I speak to the world, I speak what I've heard from the Father. John uh, 12 49 and 50. For I have not spoken my own authority, but the Father who gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. We need to get a hold of this. We need to realize that we are in the kingdom of heaven. If you're born again, if Jesus is your Lord, you're in the kingdom of heaven, not the democracy of heaven. Not the United States of heaven. We're in the kingdom of heaven. And we need to realize, and this is hard for us as Americans and as Western, and going back to your socialization, because our entire socialization has, in a Western uh, democratic society is I've got a right to say what I want to say anytime I want to say it. Bless God, nobody can tell me I can't. I'm going to say my say. Well, how many of you all know in the kingdom that that can be, that can be destructive? That can cut you off from blessing in the kingdom. Because the word, where the word of the king is, there's power, not where the, the word of the servant is. Because you understand this, you don't have, we talk about and we teach, and, there, and there's a biblical principle called the, the, the authority of the believer, but you understand, you don't have any authority outside your relationship with God. If, you don't, if your relationship with God's cut off, you don't have any authority. Okay, if your relationship with God is compromised, then you are vulnerable to the devil. If, as believers, as we are submitted to God and we are in relationship with God and we, and we have submitted ourselves, the Bible says, submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he'll flee. It doesn't say resist the devil and he'll flee. It says submit to God and resist the devil and then he'll flee. Too many people have gotten themselves in trouble thinking, well, I can do my own thing and I can buck what the word of the king says and then I'm just going to resist the devil and he'll flee. You'll try to resist him and he'll eat you for lunch. They'll find, they find the remains of you on the jungle floor the next day. Because if you're not submitted to God, if you're not submitted to the king, if you're not submitted to his word, then you, cannot, you don't have the authority to resist the devil because you have... You have walked away from your position of authority because you've compromised your relationship. Amen? But we need to understand that Jesus said, you know, in, so in the kingdom, you don't have a freedom of speech. You, you understand this? In the kingdom of God, you exercise freedom of speech at your own peril. Oh, I tried that faith stuff, but I just don't believe it's working. Oh, I know, I know, the Bible says God's going to supply all my needs according to His riches and glory, but it ain't working. I know, the, I know, yeah, 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 I know. I can quote you. Yeah, by his stripes I was healed. Yeah, he is wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquities, chastised my peace was upon him. And by his stripes I was healed. Yeah, yeah, I know. But it ain't working. Well, guess what, baby? You just exercised your freedom of speech. And you just absolutely shot in the head any chance of God's Word ever working in your life. 
Now you can have, you can try to, you can try to use your freedom of speech, but it won't. But you understand this: in the kingdom, the word of the king is where the power's at, and and if we speak it. And so, if Jesus is our example, Jesus speaks. Jesus spoke only what the Father told him. Moments read again. For I've not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that His command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father told me, so I speak. And so you see a pattern developing here that Jesus is saying, I'm only going to speak what the Father told me. I'm only going to say what God has spoke to me and told me to say. Now you understand this. Look in Luke chapter 4. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture to us. Amen? Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was... uh, in the wilderness being tempted of the devil. Luke 4, and I'm going to start at verse 3. It says, And the devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Amen? Turn, you know, read on down there. Verse, uh, verse 6, it says, I'm just going to go ahead and read through this. Verse 5, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, uh, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So you understand this. this here's just a little nugget for you. It doesn't say that the devil left Jesus never to tempt him again that the devil left Jesus to wait for a more opportune time. Okay? So you just need to understand this, is that you might endure some temptation from the devil, and just because you get one victory, just know he'll be back. Amen? But guess what? You can whoop him again. But what we want you to see here is, is that Jesus, our example, when he was tempted, he sp- remember, Jesus said, I only speak what the Father tells me. In all three of these examples, when Satan was trying to tempt him, he was just trying to get Jesus... To, to think different than, than what the Word said. To think and to speak something different than what the Word says. And Jesus, His reply each time was, It is written. It is written. It is written. In other words, Jesus is saying, you know, Jesus is saying I'm only going to speak what the Father's Word says. Amen? I'm only going to say the Word. And so we need to train ourselves... That's why you need to be so full of the Word. That's why we need to be students of the Word. You realize that you need to have a daily Bible devotional reading program, not so you can so you can fulfill some religious obligation. <clears throat> not just so you feel like, well, you know, if I'm not reading through my Bible, then you know, <clears throat> I'm just not a good Christian. No, you need to be reading through your Bible so that when situations and circumstances of life, so when the storms of life do come that you know what the Word of the King is about your circumstance so that you're able to speak the Word of the King to the circumstance and watch the circumstance change. Amen? Because God, Why? Because what do we say about the Word of the King? Where the Word of the King is, there's power. Okay? And so as we put the Word, you know, what did David say? Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. You've got to hide the Word in your heart. You've got to be a student. You've got to know what the Word says. When you have a financial need, you better know what the Word says. When you're, you know, A couple of years ago when people were looking at the stock market and the bottom was falling out of it, and there was people, you know, <laughs> it's hard for me to feel sorry. I heard Geraldo talking about when the stock market went down, he lost half of his personal wealth. I thought, well, I hope you don't get kicked out on the street, Geraldo. Forgive me if I don't have a whole tremendous a lot of sympathy for you. <laughs> I think you're probably doing okay. How many of y'all know that people didn't really lose that wealth anyway? That it's just is is paper. It it was just it was a mirage. You put your money you put your money in the bank. You put your money into the stock market. Thank you, brother Kirk. You put your money into the stock market, and then they play around with it and they manipulate the numbers and they tell you, oh look how good it's doing. Look how good it's doing. And it was all just on paper. You understand people who invest in the stock market. 
a lot of people that say they have a problem with the faith message, they can invest in the stock market and not have a problem with it, and they're operating in faith. They just got their faith in the wrong thing. Amen? But you understand that, that, that we need to have God's Word in us so that when those situations, like I said, you know, when the economy went down and people were worried, oh, I'm losing my fortune, oh, there goes my 401k, there were people that had to postpone their, uh, you know, they, they postponed their retirement because the little pieces of paper they got in the mail quarterly talking about their dividends came back and was worth about 50. And so they, they put their faith in it. But how many of y'all know that when you're facing that, if you're like, if you begin, you're full of the word, and you know, also David said, I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. You can find yourself. Amen. Pastor Shane was sharing with me a testimony of a, of a couple here in our church. That it's probably, you know, in the natural, it looks like the leanest, what should be the leanest time in their life. And they said they feel like they're walking in the most increase and the most, most abundance that they've had in their life. Because, why? Because they're standing on the Word. Because when hard times come, I'm standing on the Word. I'm speaking the Word. And even when, and you understand this, even when it looks like something, oh, that didn't happen. I thought you was one of them faith people. You know, you know that. You know there's people that, that when people, when you go out on a limb and you speak your faith, and you're believing on it, and you're standing God for it, and the very thing that you have been so adamant and speaking out about, when it looks like it didn't come to pass, you've always got the little head waggers. Mm-hmm. So much for them faith people. So much for that standing on the speaking God's Word stuff. Mm-hmm. Look what happened to you. And it makes you just want to wag your head back and go, mm-hmm. I ain't dead yet. Mm-hmm. I'm still breathing. Mm-hmm. What was it over in was it Psalms? Is it twenty-seven where he says, "I would have fainted if I had not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, not in the sweet by and by." David said, "I would have fainted if I had not believed that I was going to see God's goodness in this life, God's faithfulness to me in this life." And this is the thing: just because it looks like that the thing there might have been a temporary setback, Amen. God's word does not go out to him, go out from him and return to him void. Amen. Go ahead and turn over to Isaiah fifty five real quick. Isaiah chapter fifty five. <clears throat> Amen. We're going to start at verse eight. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, uh, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. Now I don't know about you, but the particular church I grew up in, and a lot of times when you hear people read these passages of Scripture, they go, "Oh, see, God says as you know, as high as the heavens are above the earth." So my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And they read it like God's saying, you're an idiot. And they might not say that, they might not articulate that, but the implication that they make when they read these Scriptures, see, you're so beneath God. You, you just, you just, you, mentally, you're so far beneath God. You just, don't, you just don't even got a clue. And when people come across like that, you feel like saying, well, duh. <laughs> you know, thanks for that spiritual. Thanks for that spiritual enlightenment. Thanks for that newsflash. But you understand, God's not saying that that's your hopeless condition. Okay, somebody that's, that is is trained or has experience in a particular field that I don't have any experience in, and I would, you know, and if I went to them and I was looking at a particular situation that maybe I'd never faced before, but in their training or their job experience or whatever. That's something that they handle that six or seven times a day. But because I've never had that experience or had any training to deal with this sort of thing, they might look at it and go, Pastor Brian, you know, this ain't a problem. You, all you got to do is this and this and this, and that takes care of it. And you're like, wow, praise God. And then guess what? The next time I experience that problem, I go, wait a minute. This is a no-brainer because Jimmy knew how to deal with this and Jimmy showed me, look, Pastor, it's not a big a deal. Anytime this happens, do this first and do this and then that takes care of the problem. And guess what? I've learned. You understand we were talking at the beginning of the message, we were talking about your socialization. It's how you learn to relate and learn to function in the world around you. And so what God is saying in these verses, He says, look, He said, let me just go ahead and state the obvious. 
you don't think like I do. Our natural, in, our natural tendency, our natural inclination is not to think like God does. Right? That's why we need to what? Oh, you're missing a good opportunity. Repent. Change the way you think. Remember, we said this, I'm going to make this absolutely, we're going to drive this in, that we get off of thinking repent's a religious word. Repent's not a religious word. Repent means to change the way you think. Okay? Religious people have got it and tried to twist it and make it into something that's a religious word that they don't, that, that really has, uh, the, 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 what they've twisted it to mean was apologize to God. And guess what? There's people being destroyed. There's people that are dying and going to hell, and there's people that are believers whose lives are going, that are being destroyed because they think when the Bible says repent, that it just means apologize to God. And everything will be alright. Just apologize. The office says, well, God does not accept apologies. No place in the Bible does it ever say that God accepts an apology. Well, you know what, God? I just, you know, just want to tell you. I'm sorry, now don't get me wrong. You can apologize to God, but if it's not coupled with repentance, it doesn't do any good. Because how many of y'all know, a man can get caught cheating on his wife and tell her that he's sorry. Oh, please, baby, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, please, baby, don't leave me, don't kick me. Oh, baby, please, please, baby, I love you. You know, honey, you know, sugar bunny, I love you. And sweet talker, and okay, you can stay, I won't kick you out. And then guess what? If he's not changed the way he thinks about his, what's appropriate for him to do with, uh, inside the bonds of marriage, then guess what? He apologized to her, but the next after the guilt wears off and he feels like she ain't watching him again, guess what? He's going to be chasing skirts again. Why? Because he didn't repent. He did not change the way he thought. God's saying, you, need, you know, this is the thing. You don't think like I do, but you can change your mind. That's the whole point of repent. Think, change the way you think because you've been taught to think a certain way, but it doesn't line up with the kingdom. You've been taught that when money's tight, man, you just rained all in and you don't, and, you know, we stop doing anything, you know, we don't give. Where God might be saying to you, you know what, if money's tight, maybe you need to pray and ask me where you need to sow some seed. Because then the Bible over in Philippians where everybody likes to quote that verse where it says, oh my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. And they don't rip, they take it out of its context and Paul's writing, the Holy Spirit through Paul is writing that to a church of people that have generously given to the needs of others. You can't not, you cannot be a, you cannot be a giver and think that you have a legitimate claim to that scripture because that promise, that ruling, that edict of the king, that royal decree was made to people who were giving generously to meet the needs of others. And the word of the king was, when, there's a, when a time of need comes upon you, my God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. Amen? We need to change the way that we think. We don't, we don't think the way God does. When, when we think, when we have a symptom in our body, that we just need to talk about that and talk about that and talk about what the, well, the doctor said this and the doctor said that. And, doc, and don't get me wrong, I'm not busting doctors, I'm not busting the medical Science, thank God, and you realize this, all the medical technology, uh, every medical discovery that they've made, God's been the one that's revealed that knowledge to people. Amen? But you understand this, is that you don't need to be talking, if you're talking the sickness and you're talking the symptoms more than you're talking the promises of God concerning health, it's easy to locate you. Didn't Jesus say, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks? And if you meet somebody and all the time they're talking about what a hard luck case their life is and how hard this is. Oh, I just don't know how we're going to make it. We got this bill and that bill. I just don't know how we're going to make it. And this is what's bad is you'll hear people, they'll do it and they'll talk for, they'll wrap on for 10 or 15 minutes about how they don't think they're going to make it. They don't know where the money's going to come from. And then they'll throw in the little platitude. Oh, but I know God's going to meet my need. Give me a break. You've been shoveling the stuff about how hard life was and how you didn't think you were going to make it for 15 minutes and then you want to pop off one little, oh, but he's going to meet my needs. Get a little quiver. Ooh, Shonda. Oh, he's going to meet my needs. And you've been talking 15 minutes, lack, want, you know, lack and want and not enough and going under and not know how I'm going to make it. And then you give it one little, oh, well, but you know, he's going to meet my needs. What do you, what do you believe more? Understand this. Read on here. It says, verse 10 says, back in Isaiah 55, For as the rains come down and the snow from heavens and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth the bud... 
that it may give that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void and that word void means empty or unproductive in other words god saying my word's not going to return to me empty and unproductive but it shall accomplish what i please and it shall prosper in the thing which i send it okay holy spirit help me to to explain this you understand in verse 10, God is drawing the comparison to His Word to rain and to snow that falls upon the earth. Let's go back here and look at that again. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heavens and does not return there, but it waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud. Just like spring rains cause plants to start growing, you know, the farmers, Shy and I were over in Coffee County and drove past lots of uh, fields on the way over and back, and they've already got stuff planted. Already got stuff in the ground. And guess what? There's the, the, this rain that we're getting this morning, those plants need it. Because what that, brain, what that rain brings is bringing nourishment that's going to cause the earth to bud and going to bring forth increase, amen, where it's received. And what God's saying is, my word, just like rain, just like precipitation from the sky, causes the earth to bring forth bud and fruit and brings forth, and bring forth productivity. My word is just the same way. God said, and you understand this, what's the Bible say? Let's just talk about rain. What's it say about rain? It says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. Huh? You can, you can just, you know, and you understand this, the, the rain's a blessing. Church I grew up in, they quote that verse, well, you know, it rain, when something bad happened, they go, well, you know, it rains on the just like it just does, does the unjust. And, that's, and, and you understand that in the context of Jesus, and, and they'll say, and they, they interpret that, and mean, well, it doesn't matter if you're living for the Lord or if you're living for the devil, you know, bad things are going to happen to good people just like, and that, you understand that is the complete antithesis, that's the exact opposite, that's like the bizarro world interpretation of what God really intended for that verse to mean. Rain to an agricultural people was a blessing. And what God was saying, what Jesus was saying, what's the Bible say? It says the goodness of God leads men to repentance. The goodness of God leads men to repentance. And so Jesus is saying it rains on the just as well as the unjust. God will bless the good people just, and He'll bless the bad people. And His intention is hoping that His goodness will lead people to change the way they think. Repentance. Change the way they think. Okay? But you understand this is that, that so God sends His Word out. And, and you understand, rain's available to everyone. And the Word of God is available to everyone. Just like rain can fall on any part of the planet, the Word, the word of God is available. And so what God is saying is, is my Word, just like rain produces growth in agriculture, and as a necessity, my Word goes out, it goes forth from my mouth, and it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which, it, which I please. How does God's Word return to Him? How does God's Word return to Him? When it's spoken out of the mouths of believers. When someone will say, I'll receive Your Word, Father. I believe Your Word. Your, that's the Word of the King. There's power there. And when you got it in your heart, and when you say, mm, mm, you know what? By His stripes I'm healed. There's sickness in my body, and there's symptoms there, and I'm not denying the symptoms, but I'm going to tell you what, the Word of God says that He's my healer. And Father, I thank You that no matter what the symptoms are, no matter what I might be dealing with my body, Your Word says I'm healed, and that's all my confession's going to be. Oh, my back, oh, thank You, Lord, I'm healed. Oh, my headache, oh, Lord, I'm healed. Lord, I just can't catch my breath. I'm healed. Your Word says that I'm healed. Amen? And you understand this. God, He dwells in eternity. If we operate in time, God dwells in eternity. Time's not there. But you understand, sometimes you just got to get a hold of it and just absolutely like a bulldog, I'm not going to change my confession. Just because I haven't seen it yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And I'm not going to get moved off of the Word. It's going to come to pass. But this thing, all I'm going to speak... I'm going to talk like royalty. I'm going to talk like the king instead of when the world's talking poverty and lack and want. And, oh, we're not going to have this and you're not going to have that. Oh, people, you're not going to get your needs met. Then you, all you got to say is, no, he's my father. 
He's my Lord. He owns me. It's His responsibility to maintain me. He's going to supply all of my needs, everything I need. God's going to take care of me. And you say this, no, 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 devil. I'm not going to be worried about what I'm going to eat or what I'm going to drink or what I'm going to wear because I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all those things are going to be added to me. And you stay on that and you don't move off of it. And when there are circumstances that come up, Pastor Cheyenne, there's been times that we've been looking at the church budget. And we've taken up an offering. And it'd be not even a quarter of what we needed to meet the budget of the church. And all I have to do, and all I can do is just smile and say, Thank you, Lord, you provide all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Thank you, Lord God, you're faithful. Amen? And you just, and you say, Oh, did you, didn't you, didn't you think for a split second that you might not have your needs met? I had to cast that thought down. But you understand that you need to, you control your mouth. And you watch what comes out of it. And you only speak the word of the king. If your marriage is having, if you're having problems in your marriage, okay? You don't say, well, she's such a nag and she's this and he's that and he's just a jerk. You speak the word. Father, your word says whoever finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now help me to know how, Lord, give me the wisdom to know how to relate to this good thing that you've blessed me with. Lord, help me to love her like Christ loved the church. Give me wisdom. And that's all you speak. You don't speak, well, she's the sorriest thing, he's the sorriest thing. Because there's power in your words. Because most of you, you know, if people have been griping about how bad their wife is or how bad their husband is, I guarantee you, you probably got what you're speaking. That's why you just need to say, man, she's the best thing ever happened to me. Glory to God, she's the best thing since sliced bread. Glory to God, I got, you know, I got a good thing and I obtained favor from the Lord. It doesn't matter if she's yelling at you. Amen? You speak the Word. Why? Because there's power in your words. Amen? What you're speaking. Yeah? And so when you speak God's Word back to Him, I can't remember where it's at, but there's a Scripture in the, in the Bible that says that if we're to put God in remembrance, why you got to remind God of something? God got, is God senile? God get Alzheimer's disease or something? Huh? No, God don't, when it says to put God in remembrance of His Word, it's not because God forgot what He said. God's just waiting for you to believe it in your heart and to speak it out of your mouth so that His, so that His Word doesn't return back to Him void, but it brings forth that which He sent it to do in your life. Amen? And this is not that hard of a concept. A lot of people, they have a real issue with this, but you realize every person in, in the church that's ever been born again, they believed in their heart and they spoke with their mouth. And even though they can't see a physical manifestation, you know, you didn't get a little halo contrary to those Renaissance era paintings that you see of people who were saints having a little halo floating over their head. Just because you made a confession, just because you believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth, you didn't get a little halo over your head. But what? You can't, you can't beat them off the fact that they believe they're born again, can you? Well, they got, they, so they're saying, and they would agree, if you ask them what's the most significant uh, event that can take place in a person in a non-believer's life, in a person's life, well, getting born again. So wait a minute, you mean to tell me that you believe that you can get born again by believing in your heart, by you know, by conf- confessing that Jesus is Lord, and believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? You believe that the most important thing that could ever take place in your life you can obtain by believing and speaking, but none of the rest of the stuff you can. You believe that you can be saved from a hell for eternity. You believe that you can be made a new creature. You believe that you can be given the right that you can become a son of God by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth and believing it with all that's in you. You believe you can do that, but you don't believe that you can stand on God's Word and believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that He's going to cause money to come in to meet your bills? It sounds to me like somebody's got some jacked up priorities. You can believe Him for your eternal salvation, but you can't believe Him for money to pay your light bill? Sounds to me like you need to do some serious rethinking. Because if you're going to trust Him with the most valuable thing, that would be like me telling somebody, hey, you know what, uh, you know, I'm going to leave my kids with you to babysit my kids and watch my kids for about five or six hours. And then someone say, hey, you know what, you can leave your dog here too if you want to. <laughs> no way, man, I don't trust you with my dog. How stupid is that? I'll trust you with my kids, but not my my 
chow or something. I'll, I'll trust you with my kid, but not my men pen. So you're going to trust God. You're going to actually trust and believe God that you can believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that you're saved and that you're not, that you're not going to hell. That Jesus is your Lord. You've become a new creature in Christ Jesus. That you've come into covenant. You've left the kingdom of darkness and came into the kingdom of light. But you can't believe that you can believe in you, that you can read something in God's Word where God said He'd do something for you that you could believe it in your heart and speak it out of your mouth and it's going to come to pass. Amen. Take peace in this. Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they get old, they will not depart from it. Oh, but it don't look like it. What, what am I basing my theology on? Circumstances or the Word of God? I trained up my child in the way they should go, and the Word is in them. I've lived it before them. I've not been a perfect parent, but nobody has been. But I've lived the Word before them. I've taught them the Word. And you know what? I'm not going to be moved off of my confession because of temporary circumstances, because I'm not putting my faith in the things that are seen, but I'm putting it in the unseen power of God's Word that I believe in my heart, and I speak out of my mouth, and that's my confession. Doesn't matter. And, and every stupid thing they do, Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they'll not depart. Hey, I heard your daughter is out, you know, doing this. I heard your son's out doing this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he gets old, he'll not depart from it. Amen. And you stand on it, and you don't change your confession. And even if you had to confess it with tears running down your face, that's my confession. That's the word. I'm not moving off of it, and I'm not changing my mind. Why? Because I talk like royalty. I'm speaking the word of the king. What's the king say about the situation? Because this is the thing. You understand this. You can go and get you find you a thousand different experts. And they, and, and they can all have a different opinion. Huh? Because you all know about opinions, right? Pastor ain't going to say amen. You all know about opinions. You can go get you a thousand different opinions from a thousand different experts. And if not, if not one of the thousand lines up with what the Word says, they're worthless. They're not worth the breath that it took to speak them. Because this is the word of the king is the word that has power, and that's why we hide in our heart. That's why we believe in our heart and we speak it. Amen. Because the power of God is released when we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. Praise God. Amen. Turn to Mark chapter eleven. Anybody ever read anything over there before? Thank you, Lord. We're learning to repent. Amen. Because your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We're changing the way that we think. Oh, you part of that name it and claim it bunch. Oh, you believe in that blab it and grab it. Huh? I've heard people you know, say before, oh, you believe in that. You go to that healthy, wealthy, and wise church, don't you? I'm like, well, you go to the sick, poor, and stupid one. Isn't that the other choice? I mean, you want to bust you want to bust on me because I go to a church where they're going to teach me that God wants me to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. What 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 are they teaching you? That God wants you to be sick, poor, and stupid? Because that's the other end of the spectrum, right? Amen. God said, "I know the plans I have for you," says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Amen. Glory to God. Mark chapter eleven is going to start at verse. Uh, 22 says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. Okay? Read this verse. Now, how many of you all know you can take stuff out of context in the Bible? And you can get off into error. And there's been some people, you understand this, that there's some people that they've read that and they thought, well, I'm going to ask God, you know, for... I'm going to ask God for 10,000 oil wells. Or I'm going to ask God for this one particular woman. That's the one that guys really get after. You know, whoo, she's hot. I'm going to pray. You know, I remember when I was going to Bible school, a friend of mine said, <laughs> he was praying that Pam Anderson get born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen. I said, you ain't got no word on that, brother. You guys, I said, you're wrestling the Scriptures to your own destruction. Amen. But how many of y'all understand? Here, here, this, here, this is 1 John chapter five, verses fourteen and fifteen. Now, this is the confidence that we have uh, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we shall have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Okay. 
here we go. There's two extremes. The extreme of the church that I grew up in was, this is the way they'll pray for something. Oh, Heavenly Father, Thou art so holy and I am such a worm was usually how the prayer would start out. I am such a worm and I'm such a low-down dog. Woof, woof, woof. And I don't deserve anything from You, Father. Okay? It'd start out something like that. And they would pray and ask for something and then say, Lord, if it's Your will, God, will You do this? Because, Lord, we want to pray if it's Your will. Okay? Understand this. There is absolutely no faith. And if anything positive ever came out of that prayer, it just absolutely was just a pure out goodness of God or a coincidence. Maybe somebody else with faith was praying. Because you understand there's no faith in that. There's abs- All that is, that is religious trappings. You know, you understand? Religious ornaments. Because all that person, they're going through the religious motions and they have absolutely no faith whatsoever. Oh Lord, if it's your will. Because you understand this. If is a conditional word, right? If, if, you, if you say, hey, uh, we, you know, if, you know, like the example in the Bible when the leper came to Jesus, if you will, you can heal me. That's a conditional word, right? In other words, I'm not real sure. I'm not real sure. So if you're not sure about something, you're ignorant of it, right? And understand, ignorant and stupid is not the same thing. Some people are so stupid they think that ignorant means the same thing. <laughs> but it's not. Ignorant just means you're unaware of something. So if you're praying a prayer, Lord, if it's your will to do something, then by the use of the word if, you're admitting ignorance to God's will, right? I mean, the very statement, if it's your will, you are admitting ignorance to God's will. I've said this before, ignorance and faith are impossible roommates. Because you understand this, the word faith... It's the, it's the Greek word pistis. It simply means to believe. Here's another one of those words that's not a religious word. Faith is not a religious word. You understand that the word pistis was used in the Greek vernacular before Jesus came. Jesus didn't say, hey, i got a new word to pop on you. It's faith. Ooh! It was a word they already knew. And it simply meant to believe. Okay? You understand this. You cannot believe something that you do not have knowledge about. How shall they believe? How shall they hear? If they, how shall they believe if they don't hear? And how shall they hear without a preacher, one who proclaims something? And so this was the one extreme that people would get into. Oh Lord, if it's your will, okay. What are you praying for? Well, let's go to the hospital. Let's pray for sister such and such, and pray. Oh God, if it's your will, touch her, Lord, and heal her and make her whole. Well, guess what? You just went through a religious movement because there's no faith in that. Because by your own admission, you're saying you don't know if it's God's will to heal her or not. So you're just putting on a show and blowing a lot of hot air. And you and, and really, you're double-minded. Right? Let's flip a coin. Maybe God wants to heal her, maybe he don't. Because you know, God's schizo. God's unpredictable. You never know. God might have got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. God might be hacked off of her and want to see her die. I don't know. Maybe she did something when she was a kid. Huh? And you get all this stupid stuff going on, and then because you don't get, you know, you manufacture this theology that God's going to do whatever God wants to do. How many of y'all know that's one of the biggest lies out of the pit of hell? You want to talk about doctrines of demons and teaching straight from the pit of hell, people go, well, you know, God's going to do what God won't do, darling. Hogwash. God's going to do what He said He would do. He is not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of Man that He should change His mind. God's going to do what God said He's going to do. Amen? And, and you understand this. Some people say, well, you know, how come you know God wants everybody saved? He's not going to override your will. Why? Because God's Word's not going to return to Him void. You've got to return His Word back to Him. You've got to believe it in your heart and confess it out of your mouth. And so, th- so you go through that ritual and you practice that damnable doctrine of God's going to do anything He wants to. No, God's already told you what He's going to do. He's going to do you His Word. Okay? So now here's the other extreme, though, the charismatic extreme of it, is, you know, Jesus said, you know, back over in Mark chapter 11, whatsoever things you say, you shall have it. You understand that when Jesus makes a statement, Every statement in the Bible is in the context of the, of the Scripture. Can we agree that? 
When you interpret the Bible, you know, you look for the immediate context. Well, you look at the sentence that it was said in. And if you can't get the context correct just in that sentence, then you look at the paragraph or the passage or maybe the chapter and begin to read and try to find out what was the contextual setting. And then if you can't get it out of chapter, you look at the whole book that it's written in. And if you can't get it within that book, then you expand it on. Okay, well, what's the whole... If it's in the New Testament, well, let's look and see what the counsel of the whole New Covenant is on this. And then there's some things that you can that you can see it and you might get the context of it at a smaller level, but you can back it all up and see it all coming together. Okay? And so you understand this. So looking at it, you know, so look at Jesus made this con- this comment in the context of the scripture. Jesus saying, Whatsoever things you ask for, whatever you know, you believe that you that you you'll have them. So whatever you say, you'll have. Well, then you look over here in John and you understand, uh, you understand this. Is that John's writing it and he says that if we ask anything according to His will, okay? Understand this. <clears throat> this is God's will. This is God's will. Healing, that's a no-brainer. Find me any place in the New Testament where somebody came to Jesus for healing and Jesus said, no, it's not my will. You'll not find it. You will not find it. Show me any place in the Bible where any place in the Bible where God's covenant people were in obedience to His Word, doing His Word, and they had a need come up, and God said, "Nope, not my not my will to meet that need." You're not going to find it. You're not going to find it. This is the thing. This is the will of God, the Word of God. But you understand this? They've got off an error, just like the little church I grew up in. They say, "Oh, now God, if it's Your will, the charismatic." Church, a lot of many of the charismatic churches have got off in the ditch of saying, "Well, you can just claim anything, just and just because, and think that just because you say, well, 'Well, I'm believing God for, I'm believing God for this, I'm believing God for that.' What's your, where's your word? I shared this before. There's a, there, there's a minister that, that I heard him teaching. He said people get mad at him. They say, "Well, you know, brother, he said, I'm just believing God for such and such." And he said, "What scriptures are you standing on?" He said, you know, and people look at him like he smacked them in the mouth. What do you mean what Scriptures I'm standing on? Well, you told me that you're in faith or you're believing God for this particular thing. I want to know what Scriptures you're standing on because just because you say I'm believing God for it doesn't mean that He's under any obligation to do it. And that's where the faith movement, where the Word of Faith movement, where the charismatic movement has got a bad rap is because people got off in, into excess and really just, let's just call it what it is, they got off into stupidity saying, well, I'm believing God for this. I'm believing God for that. And it's funny, people say, I don't believe in God for a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. Show me in the Word where it says that God would give you a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. And people say, well, it says He'd give you the sincere desires of your heart. Really, it said the sincere desires. Is that a sincere desire? Or if, or if you get your Harley-Davidson motorcycle, you're going to be out riding it on Sunday instead of going to church. I'm just believing God for you know for a uh, nice bass boat, or I'm believing God for a nice boat. Really, what are you going to do? Is it a sincere desire? Are you going to have that thing? Or are you, or is it going to knock you out of church half the time? Because, Pastor, you know, it's such a beautiful day. I had to go out to the lake because, you know, I mean, it don't make sense to make payments on that boat and not use it. Is that stupid? That's dumb. And I've told you this before, you know, a lot of people, they'll go out and they'll work overtime, they'll work 20, 30 hours overtime a week to get a bigger check to go out and get that blessing that they've been believing God for and then have the audacity to write it to the church and say, hey, look what the Lord blessed. They'll show up on the parking lot with the thing that they want to try to convince you that God blessed them with. And, you know, you tell them, hey, where you been, man? We ain't seen you at church for three months. Oh, you know, I'm having to work a lot of overtime. Look what the Lord blessed me with, though. Hello, God didn't bless you. Now understand this: there's nothing wrong if you want if you want a motorcycle and you can finance it, and you can, and you've looked at your budget and you can, and you've seen we can comfortably afford this, and it's not going to rob my family of our, of some financial margin. Because how many of y'all know? And this is completely off the subject. I'm going to wrap this up. We'll teach on this some more tonight. How many of y'all? Just while we're talking about finances, how many of y'all know? that God can bless you and He can have increase and you can constantly... How many of y'all know when I, when I, what I'm talking about when I say margin? Having some margin in your budget. Americans are notorious for not having any margin in their home, household budget at all because they want everything they want right now when they want it and I'm not going to wait on it and I can make the payment and people will... you know It doesn't matter 
if their if their monthly annual if their monthly income is twelve hundred dollars a month or twelve thousand dollars a month, people have a tendency to you know you're never going to run out of toys you want to buy, and you'll push yourself right up to the limit. It doesn't matter how much God prospers you. You're never going to have any breathing room because you're never running out of stuff to go spend, spend it on. You understand that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and He doesn't add any sorrow to it. That's what Pastor Shane reminds me about a motorcycle or a four-wheeler. She's like, yeah, God don't add no... blessing of the Lord makes rich. In other words, God don't, add, God don't have no payment book with it. <laughs> That's what she tells me. She says, when God blesses you with it, it won't have a payment book with it. She says, until that happens, don't worry about it. Just keep it stay in faith. Amen? But you understand what I'm saying is, is people have got to the other far extreme of saying, I'm believing God for, I got my faith out there for something. And don't get me wrong, God does want to bless you, but let's keep, you've got to keep it in this perspective. What are you seeking first? What are you seeking first? If I don't see you in church for a month of Sundays, that's a no-brainer to me. You ain't seeking the kingdom first. So, oh, Pastor, you're being judgmental and talking about people. No, I'm not. I'm just inspecting their fruit. You know, you say you're in covenant with someone, you say you're a vision partner of a church, and I don't see you, but I don't see you for three months. Hello? Oh, but Pastor, I've got to work every Sunday. What about Wednesday? Oh, well, you know, it's just really hard to get out and go to church. Do you got any hobbies? Do you got stuff you like doing? I bet you're doing those. Right? You do what you want to do. Praise God. But you understand is that, that when we're praying and we're believing God for stuff, it's speaking, speaking God's Word. You've got to have the Word on it. You just can't pull something out of thin air and say, oh, I'm believing God, because you're not. And that's what brings a big reproach on the whole faith message is people getting out and getting kooky and say, I'm believing God for that. And, and, it, it, and what happens for people to get burned out on it? Go, well, that faith stuff don't work. How do you know it don't work? Well, I tried it. Well, what was you trying it for? Well, I was believing God for this. Well, what scripture are you standing on? Well, I just, you know, I just believe God. I was just believe in God. What scriptures were you standing on? Oh, I just believe in God. You're an idiot. What scriptures were you standing on? Amen. What? Don't tell me God don't honor His word. How dare you question the integrity of my heavenly Father? How dare you impugn the integrity of the King and say His word don't work? If it didn't happen, let's revisit the thing. And it's not even saying that you're doing something wrong. How many of y'all know that we need to just be humble enough to say sometimes we miss something? And that's not a big na 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 on you. And God's not up in heaven going na 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 on you. He's not doing that, but if it's not working, it's like, okay, God, let's go through this again. What do I need to do? What, am I missing it someplace? Do I just need to stand firm? Because this is the thing. I said this last week. Sometimes we're missing it someplace. God, show me. Because your word, you're not a man you slide, and your word works. I'm believing your word. I'm speaking your word. I've not seen it yet. If I'm missing it, show me. If I'm not missing it, Lord, just help me to have the patience to just keep on standing. Amen? Amen? And know this, that God, he, his, he watches over His Word to perform it. And so, if we're going to speak like royalty, if we want to see God move on, our, on your behalf, and you've got to know the Word, and you've got to be speaking the Word, you have to speak like royalty. Jesus said, I only speak the things that the Father tells me to. Amen? When the devil tempted him, his answer was the Word. So this is where it comes in in our lives. God, you understand this, God has promised you victory. How many people in here are born again? Let's just go ahead and put it up there again, just so we see. Okay? You realize that you were born a winner. And some of you just need to look in the mirror and tell yourself every once in a while, I was born a winner. God don't make trash. God don't make losers. God, there, God has never yet made a second-class citizen in the kingdom. And every promise that He's promised anybody, don't ever think, well, I just ain't got enough education to walk in that blessing. I just ain't got enough this. I was just born on the wrong side of the tracks. I this, I that. you got eye trouble. You need to get your eyes on Jesus. Amen. And begin to speak His Word and don't move off of it. Because what else you got to do till you die? waver back and forth, be tossed around by every wind of doctrine, or are you just going to draw a line in the sand and say, by God's grace, I am not moving off this spot. This is where I stay, This is where I plant my flag and live or die. This is where I'm going to be at because I will not move off of His Word. 
Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come to You in Jesus' name. We thank You for this day. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Father, we thank You, Lord, that we can trust You. Lord, You are a King of integrity. You're a person of integrity. You are not a man that You should lie or the Son of Man that You had to change Your mind, Father. Lord, we thank You that Your Word is powerful. And Lord, it accomplishes what You send it out to do. And so, Father, we pray that we would hide Your Word in our hearts, Father, so that circumstances arise in our lives. Lord, when the devil puts the squeeze on us, the only thing that comes out is Your Word. Father, that we stand on it immovable. Lord, not considering circumstances, but knowing what You've said in Your Word that You're faithful to perform. And God, we thank You that because we can have complete trust and reliance in Your Word and in Your character that it takes the pressure off of us. Hallelujah. We cast the care upon You, Father. Lord, we boldly proclaim we don't have a care in the world. Lord, we commit it to Your hands. Lord, if we could have done anything about situations, we'd have done it. But we can't, so we just cast it over on You. And thank You, Lord God, that You're faithful to perform Your Word, God. You're more concerned about the things that concern us than we are. And so we thank You that we can trust You. We give You praise in Jesus' name. Amen.